Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. The Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond Mark! The Sickest NHL Podcast. It's gonna be sick. And welcome to another edition of the Eye Test here on the Sick Podcast Network. I'm Jimmy Murphy. He's Pierre McGuire. And we've got another great episode of the Eye Test in store for you. Shortly, we will be joined by longtime NHL player agent Jerry Buckley, of course, also like me, a St. Sebastian's High School. Um, hey, hey, just stop right now. Congratulations to the Arrows. They won the ISL championship. Congratulations to Coach Sean McCann. And I know he's no longer the headmaster there, but to my good friend Bill Burke. Congratulations, Mr. Burke, and all of the Arrows, yep. St. Sebastian's champions. And Buck also went to uh, Boston College, played there as well, and uh, played with a lot of lot of uh, former NHLers, uh, names you might know. We'll talk to him about that as well. And uh, we're also going to talk to him about what it's like being an agent near the NHL trade deadline, Pierre, and also mm-hmm. uh, with the emergence of all the NCAA free agents uh and that season it has now played a role i think we would agree in the trade deadline as well because uh, player uh, teams start to look at those players more too so uh looking forward to having buck on shortly and uh we'll talk to him in a bit and pierre uh i just you know i got your text as we were waiting to come on and and you okay. said your wife melanie was having a factor meal and i said oh, wait a minute well pierre's got it i must so i ran downstairs and lo and behold here we are yeah uh, there's our new sponsor there, Factor, sending our first uh, box of meals to us. Uh, this one right here looks especially delicious to me here. It's the loaded bacon shredded chicken uh, with sautéed spinach, green beans, and ranch sour cream. Sign me up, and I am excited to uh, be a partner with Factor now. Welcome aboard to the eye test to the folks there, and thank you very much for the care package you sent. Yeah, thanks a lot, Factor, by the way. And, and Melanie, tonight we'll be having the vegan Mushroom Marsala. There we go. Yummy. I'm just throwing it out there. Going a healthy kick, eh? But she's always been like that. That's okay. That's good. That's good. You know? That's good for you, Pierre. Yeah. <laughs> I think I need that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, should, I want our I want our viewers and listeners to know something. Uh, you know, for for the young fifty year old that Pierre is, uh, mm-hmm. he keeps he keeps in great shape. He works out religiously. Uh, and is very aware of that. And, and you know, I, I want to emulate what he does as well. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that off here because I think Pierre's going to put me on the McGuire workout plan. Too. <laughs> uh, we're waiting. I'm just waiting until after St. Patrick's Day, Pierre, because I'm not no, making no, it's good until then. You you know, I respect that. that. I we'll respect go in full mode. I, I'm a realist. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Anyhow, no, Pierre, uh, interesting. Oh, go ahead. No, I think that's great. And I, I really respect what you just said. But, all that being said, thank you again to the folks from Factor. That that's you know phenomenal, and uh, the fact that they're on board with us, we're going to deliver for them. Absolutely. So thank you very much. We look forward to getting some other big uh, promotions on, sponsors on here as well uh, in the near future. Uh, Pierre, uh, an interesting night of hockey last night. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I'll start with the game that I had to hone in on and uh, drink a lot of caffeine for the uh, ten o'clock. Eastern Seattle Kraken hosting the Boston Bruins game. Um, and, and Pierre, I I think now I already forgot the stat. I've got it somewhere in there. But, uh, you know, I think it's something like 2010 was the last time that um, a Bruins team has gone to six straight overtimes uh, in a season. And I think the last NHL team to do it was in, I think they said the Penguins maybe in 2016. It's been a while. Yeah. But, I mean. Here, if you know you're on that team right now, you're a coach. I mean, obviously, you're happy to get the point, but what do you what do you got to do? This team keeps blowing third period leads. What are you telling your players uh, when you're heading into your next game to kind of stem this uh, unwanted streak that they're on? I'd be spending a lot of time in practice. And what was interesting about this road trip for the Bruins, they didn't practice once. No, they didn't have one team practice. And I think that's an issue. When you start to lose a lot of these one-goal games or you're losing leads in the third period, usually it comes down to fatigue and structure. Yep. Well, how do you get structure and how do you break down not having fatigue? Practicing a lot. 
Exactly. And they weren't able to do that on this trip. And, and this is a thing that I really uh, am impressed by with the Western Conference teams. I remember talking to Daryl Sutter when he went out and started working in San Jose. And I remember we had coached against each other a fair bit earlier in my career. And I was doing TV by then, and he was working in San Jose. I said, what's the biggest change? Because you never get to practice. So yeah. all these teams, and everybody's like, well, how come Vancouver's kind of slowing down a little bit? I think all these Western teams, you know, look at L.A. at the beginning of the year. They were in Fuego, and now they're kind of back to the pack. They don't get a lot of time to practice, and I think that really hurts them compared to the Eastern teams. And then when the Eastern teams, Jimmy, have to go out there, I think it becomes really hard for them to maintain their conditioning and also maintain their structure. Well, I remember, Pierre, one of the first guests we had on this podcast when we started off was Greg Cronin, uh, the first-year head coach for the Anaheim Ducks and a friend of mine. And, you know, he that was one of the biggest things he said. The first thing I think he said, you said, so what – what stands out to you so far about being a coach in the NHL? And he said, well, it wasn't necessarily being a coach in the NHL. It was being a coach in the Western conference. I remember that vividly. That was the first thing he said to you. Yep. Uh, and he said, it's unreal. I can't, I can't squeeze in practices. And then you, you know, you factor in these CBA days and look, I, the players earned it. I know they gave up a lot. I'm not knocking the players association for wanting that in there, but at the same time, it does really put a, a, a damper on uh, what a coach wants to get done in practice because there's not that many anymore. No, there aren't, and it's fair. Um, but everybody's got to go through it. Yep. To me, the Bruins put points in the bank. That's a positive. That's got to make Jimmy Montgomery and Donnie Sweeney feel pretty good about it, Cam Neely as well. Mm-hmm. My concern, besides all the structure and the conditioning, you lose a lot of one-goal games, that means one thing is missing internally with the players, not mm-hmm. with the structure, not with the conditioning. So you don't have Krejci, you don't have Bergeron, you're not as good. No. You're, you're not as good. So now does Donnie Sweeney, you know, and you wrote a, an awesome column about it. Does Donnie Sweeney keep Jake DeBrusque or does Donnie Sweeney trade him? Yep. And I, I think it's realistic. You have to ask the question. Yeah. You know, just because. So if you take his goals and his points out of the lineup, are you losing two goal games now? Are you not getting? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's one goal in 13 games right now up here. And he's done that. This is the second time he's gone on such a streak yeah. uh, or of futility. Um, he's very streaky, you know, and I like, look, I love Jake DeBrusque. I think he's a great kid. You I want to make I want him to stay in Boston because I love dealing with him. He's a great interview. He's good to just hang out with and shoot the breeze on hockey and even life after practice. I, I enjoy covering him and he's a, he's a good human being. And I think he's got a lot of skill. But for whatever reason, he's struggling to find it consistently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, to his credit, I think he came into this year with a strong emphasis on trying to improve his 200-foot game because he knew the team needed it, losing the guys you just mentioned. Yeah. So the team as a whole had to make it, you know, more of a, a communal effort to play a better 200-foot game. But I, I think in the process, maybe, you know, he lost a little of what – is his trademark and that's speed and going north south and to the net and scoring goals and he's just not doing that right now no well they need and you know they need him to do that yeah and so and if he's not doing it who you got down in the american league that's going to take his place to do it because i don't i don't think there's that person right now i just don't think there is exactly exactly but you know I, i think a lot of gms are in this situation right now pierre and you know, we spoke about it yesterday and you just mentioned it there. Is it better to just keep him as your own rental and risk losing him or do you, or do you send him out for picks? And, you know, it, it's interesting, Pierre. I want to just put this on a grand scheme of the NHL um, before we get Jerry in this conversation. Like a lot of people, uh, fans, that is, I see on social media or they'll message me or they'll comment in the stories that I write, uh, say, you know, the Bruins aren't sellers. So why would they be trading Jake DeBrusque? Well, as Pierre just said, it's not necessarily them selling when they do that. They're doing it so they can turn around and fill another uh, another need or a more pressing need in their lineup before the playoffs. And, and it's also not necessarily going to come directly from that trade, right? I mean, you could, mm-hmm. per se, for example, let's say they go out and they trade Jake Dabrowski and it nets them back a prospect and a second round pick. I'm just, I, I don't know anything. I'm not, this yeah. is just me spitballing. Okay. They can then turn around and flip that to get or or add it into a package 
to get the guy they want. Maybe that's that guy in Calgary that we keep talking about. But, you know, this is where GMs and the salary cap, and we've seen it over the years now, they're starting to get better. This is where you got to get creative. So just because you see a team that's in contention trading a roster player away, that's not them throwing the, the white flag up. That's It's not. It's them trying to get creative and and rearrange things a little to have a better, more complete team going into the playoffs. Jimmy, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. Just before I come on this show on Tuesday, I always appear on Mark Madden's show in Pittsburgh, and that's the number one sports radio show in Pittsburgh. Yeah, one of the and, best and, in the country. And he's really good at what he does. Like that, yeah, that he's, he's like a Mitch Melna kind of guy. He, he's yeah. that good. And so Mark said something that we've talked about on the eye test. If you trade Jake DeBrusque, do you also think about trading Tristan Jari? Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, where's the fit? Well, Edmonton could use another goalie. Tristan Jari played junior there. Uh, Jake DeBrus is from there. They need another forward, I would think, in Edmonton. Um, so you look at it, does a trade there make sense? Yeah. You know, so again, you're talking about it from a Boston point of view. I'm just showing there are other you're cities in the league. league. Yeah. They're thinking about the same thing oh, you yeah. just brought up. Yeah, so, for sure. I mean, it's just the reality of the business. And you're right about with the cap, it's a harder way to orchestrate than it used to be. It used to be you just be able, okay, let's just do a hockey trade, one for one or three for three. Or, you know, I remember when Dougie Gilmore, Gilmore got traded from Calgary to, to Toronto. You yep. know, you look at all the names that were involved in going both ways. It was crazy. It was, yeah. You know, you would have liked to have owned an airline back then because you would sold so many darn tickets <laughs> going each way, you know. But, um Yeah. That's good stuff. By the way, I saw uh, Dougie Gilmore was at um, that private party uh, for Chris Chelios. I saw some pictures floating around there. That would Dougie, be a good party to go. Any better playing live for the for the crew there? That was that looked really yeah, cool. My big girlfriend's good. a huge Pearl Jam fan, so she was sending me tons of tweets from it, saying, "Look at this! What the heck? We got to get to one of these." <laughs> so yeah. good stuff. Um, but then looking around the league, Pierre, anything else catch your eye that you were watching last night? I know you kept your eye on every game as you always yeah, do. Um, you know, hard to say. I think the biggest thing last night coming out of it, Ottawa now knows realistically they're not going to – it's not going to happen. So they become a realistic seller. They got beat up pretty good last night. They have no – they're not getting any goaltending. When they get goaltending, they have a legitimate chance to win. When they don't get goaltending – it's hard for them to overcome the bad goaltending. So, but I, what I was impressed with with Washington last night, and they got a quick turnaround. Obviously, they got to play in Detroit tonight, and, and Ottawa's got to go play in Nashville. But um, the, the, to me, I was impressed by the size of Washington last night. Whereas mm-hmm. usually, I don't see that size coming to the fore. It yep. came to the fore last night. I thought that was really important for them. And then the hockey good fortune for the Islanders last night and their win over Dallas in overtime. Look, it, I'm not knocking them. Good for them. You got to get some hockey luck. But I, that was a whole lot of bad hockey luck for Dallas and a whole lot of good hockey luck for uh, for the Islanders last night. I'll tell you that. Go ahead. And I was just going to say the one other thing was I, I liked what Patrick Waugh did manipulating his lineup. He played his three mm-hmm. top centers as a line. Um, and I thought Horvat was better. Barzell was better. Um, Brock Nelson was really good. So they played all three of those guys together. And I, it did provide an offensive impetus. There's no question that it did. Well, we talk about GMs getting creative. He's creative as well, Pierre. He has definitely always been uh, sort of trying to get ahead of the curve when it comes to coaching techniques or plans or structure, what have you. Uh, but, Pierre, one other thing about that Islander-Stars game, too, and you know, I'm, I'll credit my buddy Ian Cameron on the Ice Guys there. I was listening to him yesterday after we got off the air. Was That was just one of those – you know, we've talked about this before – before period where sometimes you look at a schedule and you're looking ahead at the different games. And sometimes you say this very well could be one of those quote unquote scheduled losses or scheduled. Let's say maybe you get a point at the most. And you look at where, where's Dallas tonight Pierre? Colorado. Exactly. They also had just got off the road off a three game or four game road trip. I believe you always get the old flat first period sometimes in a way when you come back from a road trip. And now you've got to turn around and fly out to play your division rival in a huge game in Colorado tonight. That was not a good spot for the Dallas Stars. It just wasn't. And I'm not trying to let them off the hook. No. They, you know, every NHL team has to deal with these games. But let's call a spade a spade. That was just one of those days. I, I think it was just like, yeah. look, we're, 
it is what it is. And you know what's hard about tonight? You talk about the quick turnaround, you go right to altitude. You're exactly. Flat altitude. It's not, it's that's a gasser. That's hard. That's really hard. Again, back to what we were saying, Pierre, about the Western Conference teams yeah. and all the time travel they have to do. It's yep. it's it's absolutely insane. All right. Well, it looks like we got Jerry Buckley here. Let's bring him on to the eye test right now. Hey, Buck. What's up, fellas? How are we doing? Good. How are you? How are you? Welcome to the eye test, my friend. I know. I'm excited. I'm excited to get the call. Yeah. (laughs) Looking forward to uh, chatting up with the fellas. Yep. Yep. So how's uh, how's everything been going? Just living the dream, buddy. Every day. We were just uh, Pierre. Pierre just congratulated our alma mater, Saint Sebastian's, uh, taking yeah. the ISL Keller Division. Yeah. So uh, have to be happy about that as well, my friend. Um, that, you know, before that we get is into- good. And then um, my son's team at Saint George's won the uh, Eberhardt Division on the other oh, side. Yeah. So it's a double win for the Buckley household. We're excited about about the uh, Elite Eight coming up uh, this uh, coming up tomorrow. It'll be fun. Nice. Now, is your is your brother still at BC? Yep, he's the assistant coach at Boston yeah, College. A, he was the smartest, Buckley. He went to Belmont Hill. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get in. I couldn't get in. That was the issue there. Yeah. There we go. Hey, Buck, before we get into some current events and, and you know talking about the NHL trade deadline and what have you, um, just maybe give our listeners and viewers a little uh, background on how you became an NHL agent. Well, I think the first thing was going to high school with you. That was a big, uh, you know, a big influence in my life, and then. Around the same time, I was needing to work on my skills while I was playing there, and I ended up signing up for a uh, skills camp on Sundays at Babson College with uh, Pierre. And so uh, it's true. as Gord used to uh, joke whenever I'd see you guys at the World Juniors that the reason why I'm an agent was because I was at uh, Pierre's <laughs> schools on Sunday nights. <laughs> now, now you're, no, but Jerry, you're selling yourself short because what people need to know you were a drafted player by the Boston Bruins. We had your Europa Cup when you were really young. And back then, as you know, Europa Cup was an amazing product. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whether it was Jeremy Roenick or Keith Kachuk or, you know, you can go down the line. Sean McEachern, it was a murderer's role. Billy Guerin, Scotty Lachance. It was amazing, the amount of players. And I think, Jerry, if I'm not wrong, and I haven't done this in forever, you were one of the youngest kids we ever let play with the older guys, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember how old I was or at that time, but I do remember, like, I started hockey late, and um, I played, like, town hockey all the way through. Yep. And so then I started getting opportunities like that to play with, like, the best, you know, guys at the age level and around, and it was great for me. Like, so yeah, no, and thank you, you for uh, letting me in if you did, because it, it, it definitely helped my development and helped yeah. get me opportunities, uh, you know, in, in hockey there at uh, with the draft and at Boston College and playing That's there, so. It was great, but you guys did a great job there. Like, I really think kids get better when they play against other top kids. You know, it really pushes you, and you can learn from watching them what they do and why they're successful. Um, so I think things like that were really valuable for me coming from, you know, like a town hockey program to then playing with the guys you just mentioned, like some of the best players of our generation. Like, it was a real good learning experience. I agree. And no, I think you're better with your skills. Your skills were very good. I was just <laughs> more like poking fun at you. So I figured oh, that I was know, one of the better know, lines the court has had. So I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. Give a shout out. You know what? No, but Jimmy, I got to tell you, seriously, I, I got to look. If I went and looked at my notes and I got them somewhere, I'm going to say that Jerry was one of the youngest kids we ever let play with the older guys uh, in that grouping. And, and trust me, like whether it's a Monty, whether it's Ronick, whether it's McEachern, like you go look at the names. It's just a murderer's row of players. It was just yeah. ridiculous how good that league was. Yeah, it was fun. You can fun. learn from, like Jerry said. So when, so when did the, when did you get into the agency business? Was that after Boston College? Yeah, it was after. So I, I played professionally, you know, for a year, and then I went. I was injured, and I went to, uh, I went to law school. At uh, I graduated from Boston College Law School, and while I was there, I didn't have intentions of getting into the agent business, but. Um, Bob Murray, who was a longtime oh, yeah. agent in the Boston area, Legend- <coughs> represented legendary agent. Rec- yeah. That's Recky's yeah. agent, right? I think that was Recky's agent. Mark Recky, I think, was a client of his, if I'm not well, mistaken. Had, um, well, Bob had like Kachuk and Garin yeah. and, you know, like all the best. Uh, he had yeah. the 80 Olympic team with Mike Aruzioni and all that. So his, his nephew, Stephen Murray, went to BC with me. 
And when Bob, it was actually when Bob Yor was getting in the business and doing the recruiting in the Boston area, Bob had kind of had all the Boston guys kind of locked in. And so he wanted to bring in someone younger to kind of help with the recruiting and things like that. So I was in law school with his nephew and his nephew said, hey, my uncle wants to talk to you. Uh, you want to go and have lunch with him? And so I went in, had lunch with him. And he was like, hey, I'd like to bring you in, have you work part time. And I, I told him, I was like, I, I don't want to get into this business. I want to get into mergers and acquisitions and business and things like that. Um, he offered me the job. I took it, even though I told him I didn't think I want to do it long term. And uh, before I graduated from law school, you know, I had Mike Motto, who won the Hobie Baker and signed with the Rangers. And Blake Balafay was the first free oh, yeah. sign of the Columbus yeah. Blue Jackets. And mm -hmm. I kind of talked to my parents and I'm like, I don't know, I guess I got to kind of do this. Like I haven't even graduated law school yet and it's going all right. So, um, yeah, I just stayed in it from there. So I kind of, it's not like I dreamed about doing it my whole life. I kind of fell into it and just went to work and haven't stopped since. You know, Bob, Bob Murray, by the way, Jimmy, he used to own the players at BU. Like there were very few BU players that would not sign with Bob. But I was happy to see that he did start to cultivate BC guys, Billy Guerin being one of the first mm -hmm. ones, well, obviously yeah. with Jerry. But Bob built a heck of a business, as you know, Jerry. What a phenomenal business he built in the Boston area around the entire National Hockey League. Yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. He is a great guy, and I learned a lot from him. Like it was um, – you know, when you come in, you just don't know anything really about the business. And so just watching how he goes about his business with his relationships and his due diligence with his research. And um, he was a great mentor, still is to me, and learned a lot uh, from him over the years. And then the client base is kind of legendary Boston-wise, right? It's yeah, like the Fitzgeralds, the Kachucks, the, you know, uh, Jeff Norton, the Sackos, Bates, Pandolfo, uh, Aruzioni, Mike Sullivan. Yeah, it's just it's kind of like a who's who list of like guys now. So it's it's fun seeing those guys uh, still around the ranks and everyone kind of doing their thing. Yeah. Jimmy, did you hear what Jerry said that was so smart? He used the term mentor. Yes, we've it's spoken amazing about how important it is to have mentors. Yep, correct, correct. We've been talking about that, and it's important to have it on the ice as well, as you pointed out, Pierre. Jerry, I want to know, like, so. When the salary cap comes in, how did that change the agent's job, the, the approach you had to take? What what more responsibility did you have come on or what less? Uh, just kind of take us into that time uh, when that first was instituted into the NHL. Well, yeah, it's, it was a huge change, right? It was, it was and as you guys know, uh, Pierre, uh, you covered it extensively. Those lockouts and labor wars were they were they were battles it was it was on and um you know the players fought several times to avoid it and then uh it came in and it's um it's definitely changed things a lot like it back in the day i think with uh some of kachuk's and garen's contracts we had holdouts and it was really just the will of the player and the will of the owner how much money they were willing to pay and they and and now it's you know, there's only, there is a limit because of the salary cap and, and trying to build a team and, and there's only so much room. And if you want to stay, um, you know, sometimes you have to work, you have to work with what they have. Um, yeah. And so I think it definitely changes the research a little bit. I think it also has changed drastically the approach agents and players take. You're seeing a lot less protracted holdouts than you did, you know, back in the 90s, uh, early 2000s. You know, it was common to see players, a lot more players out every year in, mm -hmm. in holdouts. And then and then back then, too, you didn't have the restriction on uh, renegotiation. So there were contracts that could be renegotiated. You sign a four year deal two years in, you rip it up and do another one under this new CBA. You can't do that. So um, that was another change with the cap that really changed things. How's it been working with Marty Walsh, the new head of the Players Association? It's good. Well, it's always nice to have someone who speaks my language with a Boston accent so I can uh, understand him and uh, know where he's coming from. And, uh, you know, Marty's a union guy. He always has been his whole career. So this isn't something that's really new. It's obviously uh, new in that it's sports. But I think his background with uh, working with labor, you know, speaks for itself. And um, I think he's going to be really good. I think Marty tells you, you know, the truth. Um, you know, I don't think he hides from you know, the tough questions and, 
you know, I think he'll do a really good job for the PA, and he's already off to a good start. Did you know him much before then, Jerry? I mean, I've met him like just like passing by. Like I just, yeah. I, I haven't, you know, I don't, uh, I wouldn't say, you know, we've gone bowling together or anything like that. I think it's just, uh, you know, I said hello. Yeah. But he's good. I mean, he's a bulldog, as Pierre calls it. He's he's a definite bulldog, and I think that's what you guys need. Well, I, I think I think what he's going to do is he's going to tell the league, we'll do a lot of this and a lot of that, but we're done with escrow. I, yeah. I And I don't know if Jerry agrees with that or not, but I, I just can't see him not fighting on that battle. I just can't. You have to. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's a major issue, you know, and it, it's it's one that the players all, you know, I think there's a lot of solidarity on. Mm-hmm. on figuring out a better way to do it than the way we've been doing it over the last bunch of years. Well and, said, man, Jerry Buckley. Really well said, Jerry. I, I admire that. That's good. Positive, yeah. political, smart answer. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Hey, you know us Irishmen from Boston. You know, you ever hear the Kennedys? We know how to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I have kissed the Blarney Stone. I have done <laughs> All right. So the big thing right now, Jerry, obviously a lot of fans are going crazy. The trade deadline's coming. So take us inside what it's like to be an NHL player agent in the weeks leading into a trade deadline and right at the deadline. Well, I think one of the things that people underestimate from, you know, like the fans and, and even from management, like the trade deadline affects every player mm-hmm. and every family. Like they'll only be – I don't know. Maybe I don't know what what the number average number is. Whether it's sixty players that move, yeah, right but, around there, right around. Yeah, 60. yeah, if sixty move, that's affecting like everyone's lineups, including mm-hmm. NHL, AHL. Like, oh, geez, they picked up another right shot D. I'm going to get sent down, or hey, they just moved a guy at the deadline for a draft pick. I'm going to get my chance up top. So it's just settling, unsettling for everybody here. Um, you know, families worried about like, well, is my husband going to get traded and what are we going to do? Are we going to stay here? Kids in school, like things like that. So it's, it's an unsettling time for everybody. And I think everyone on the player side, agent side, look forward to uh, March 9th where everyone's settled and then we can <laughs> yeah. just focus on winning and, and getting in the playoffs and, and winning in the playoffs. Jimmy, that's why, that's why I never like to say players names that are mentioned in rumors for exactly right. what Jerry talked about. I've lived this for so many years. You see it and you're like, Darren, you know, he's got a wife, he's got kids, they're worried about school, like bought a new house. Oh, my gosh, we're getting traded again. I mean, I know fans don't really care about that, but these are real people. Yeah. Like, and there, are a lot of, there are a lot of moving parts here. I mean, I yeah. can tell you right now. It's a big reason. Jerry, I'll just tell you this. I shared it with Jimmy. A big reason why I didn't go back coaching uh, after two or three years in the media is because I had young children, and I didn't want to have to move them every three years. Yeah. I just right. didn't want to do it, and that's yeah. why I didn't go back. Yeah. Right. Sure. Jerry, yeah. with, the, with the salary cap, when the salary cap came in, did that, you know, because I know some agents will play a role in a trade sometimes, or if a player wants to go somewhere, right, you're going to do what you can for your client to get to the destination he wants to go. How much more have you played a role since the cap came in or, or how much less? Well, for sure, the money matters a lot more mm-hmm. um, now than it ever has. Um, yeah app wise but also internal budgets like oh yeah the air will tell you like you know everyone's watching that the air yesterday everything too. right yeah so it's, <laughs> we talked about this <laughs> we're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna mention the team we talked about but yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and so yeah so for more team you know for some teams it's a tighter one and but i, I don't think there's any team where someone's just like oh you don't need to worry about anything you can blow 500 grand without you know going all you know like you you have to run it up the flagpole to people and you know so it's it, it's more complicated so agents you know and the other thing too is depending on how important it is for the gm like they're so busy with other stuff that sometimes they almost want our help to just That's help facilitate it so we can yeah. do the we can do the work and then bring it to them at the end for approval or for tweaks and things like that you should get more commission then <laughs> that, would be, that would be nice. That'd be nice. Probably, it's probably my fault why they need to get moved anyway. So I'm just trying no, to. No, that, no, that's malarkey. I'm not going to let you do that to yourself. No, no, no. Jerry's one of the more responsible guys out there, and um, he does a great job for his clients. Jerry, I got to ask you you have this big endeavor in Finland as well. You've created yeah. this 
unique relationship. How's that panned out? And are you seeing huge growth in Finnish hockey like I did when I was really involved in the business? Yeah, so yeah, so um, I love it. I, I, I really like the Finnish part of the business. Um, I've got great partners over in Finland. Um, Yuso Parsonen, who's uh, a Nashville. I play his father, Timu, is, uh, is my partner over there. And so uh, we've been working together. I just came back a couple, uh, probably about 10 days ago from Finland. Um, just enjoy it. I, like it's, I mean, Pierre, you've traveled. Like you can learn a lot when you go to different cultures and see how different organizations, youth organizations, pro organizations, how they run things, how they view things. Um, it's just nice, refreshing to, to kind of pop out and see something, ask questions why they do it, and just learn a little bit. So it's been it's been really good. I think Finnish uh, the players are. Their English is very well. They're educated. Uh, they're hardworking. Um, you know, there's not there's not a lot of ups and downs with them. They're they're you know right to it, black and white, like with uh, how they go about it. So I, I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed helping the kids coming over here with the draft and then starting their pro careers and enjoyed my time over in uh, Finland traveling over there. Is there one part of the country you prefer over another, and you're not allowed to say Helsinki? <laughs> I'm not okay. Yeah, Helsinki's great. I was there, so I got to. Uh, yeah. I was in Lati uh, last trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I really like that. Like, uh, I got the big ski jumps right next to the uh, yeah. arena, and the uh, Pelicans there had a uh, great crowd, and uh, you know, a couple former NHLers uh, running the club there. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's 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 a good, it's a community based thing. It was interesting. They have. They have a restaurant in the rink that they have open all the time. So, like, people, like, from work, like, on a lunch break, they come over and they eat at the rink, and it looks over the uh, the arena where the guys are practicing and things like that. So it's just it's just fun how the uh, the team is such a big part of the culture there in town. One of my favorite places to go there is Yvaskula. It's a cross-country ski part of the country. It's in the lake region, and it, it is – in the wintertime, it's unbelievable. It really, yeah. It's just amazing. It's not yeah. as, as hospitable when it's 50 below zero, but yeah. it's still right. pretty nice. Yeah. I'm a big – just to show you what to back Jerry up on this, my daughter lives and works in Ireland right now, and she loves hockey. And outside of the Belfast Giants, there's no other hockey in Ireland. And she yeah. goes to games from time to time. She lives in Dublin. She went just after Christmas yeah, to Helsinki awesome. to go watch an elite series game in the Finnish Liga. And yeah. she and they were so nice. They treated her great. And she's like, Dad, I can't wait to go back. She thought it was unbelievable. She goes, no, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Going to a hockey game, there's way different than going to an NHL game. It's just a it different is. vibe. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. And it, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I think one of the things they need to figure out there in, um, in Finland, you probably know Jokerit was owned by a, a Russian businessman, yep. and so was the big arena. So the biggest arena in Finland – has been shut down for two years. They haven't no, been able to really, use it because of the really sanctions and things and like Yari that. Curry was, Yari Curry was running that team, and he's oh, obviously wow. don't have the team anywhere. They were in the KHL, but Jerry's spot on. Couldn't wow. be yeah. more right about that. Yep. So they've got to they've got to figure that out so they can get that built. And I think they're in the process of uh, changing ownership and getting that building going again. But it's the it's the biggest, nicest building, and Jokerits obviously a, a has a great tradition and. You know, I think they got to get that back on track. I think it'll help the whole, the whole hockey environment there in Finland. You guys talk about the environment at the games and how it's different. Like from what I gather from just watching, seeing clips, is it more of like a like a soccer feel, like a you know an English Premier League type feel where it's the crowd singing or they've got certain chants? That's what it seems like from afar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's definitely like that. And then mix in a little who's on first where everyone's got beers all over the place. <laughs> uh, you know, it's kinda, that's, that's kind of what it's like. I mean, it's, well, yeah, people that, there to that's, have fun. yeah, that's good but, stuff. It, it, it's Jerry's spot on. It, you just don't know. And there's a standing room section, by the way, and they do drink a lot of beer in the standing yeah. room section. Yeah. And that can be very dangerous. Yeah, I've got to have a few beers like each night before I go to Finland just to be able to keep up with my partners <laughs> and the guys over there. 
Thank Some you. people get on this stationary bike. I'm like sitting on a bar stool for like a week trying to get ready. Oh. What are you doing? I'm training. I'm training. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's good. Gary, uh, one thing I had mentioned to you off the air I wanted to pick your brain on too is um, how is just the, the emergence in the last 10 years, I'll say, it's really become prevalent where teams are really targeting NCAA free agents. How is that uh, made life busier, I guess, for you at this time of year? You, we already mentioned how busy you can be with the deadline, and then you got that coming up as well. What's that been like, kind of balancing the both of them? Well, this year has been crazy, to be honest with you. I've, I've, you know, it's yeah, the it top, seems like yeah, the top the top two free agents I think in college hockey, the two forwards out of Quinnipiac. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin you know, Graff is one of them. Yeah. Yeah, Colin Graff and um, and Jay Colin, I think, are the two top guys. And I know from being at the games, they're NHL general managers, assistant general managers, head scouts, free agent scouts, coming and talking with them. And I think, as you guys see, it's the league is so competitive, mm-hmm. right? It's every and injuries. Everyone's going to have injuries. Everyone has cap issues. So the competition for cheap talent is like fierce everyone needs right everyone needs good quality players that are making under a million dollars so i think what's happened is just team more and more teams are pouring their resources they're capped out with their dollars in the nhl up against the cap and they've got to find other ways how can we get better and i think uh targeting the free agents is in the nca but also in europe and the chl is is one way to do it i think the other way teams are doing is or the good teams are doing they're building out their staffs like they're, they're, that's where it's asking. You know, that's not under the cap, so they can spend as much money as they want to build out the staffs and have people who are dedicated towards making sure they don't miss college free agents. They, mm-hmm. you know, I think the really good organizations are building their staffs out to make sure they have coverage all over the world uh, to find the players. And and some people would say, well, geez, like how many players are coming out of it. But if you can find one guy that can play in your NHL lineup, um, you yep. know, it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's like grabbing an extra, you know, for top three round draft pick, which is. It's, which it's is more better. prevalent than ever before, Jimmy. I agree with Jerry a hundred percent, you know, I'm kind of going through the process now. And I would say that it's way more prevalent than people think. Our, our age. You Ryan, just talked about- Ryan McGuire might be uh, a target here soon. If he keeps scoring like he is. Yeah, I didn't say a word. You did. Yeah. <laughs> he gets his offense yeah. from his mom, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to know too. You, you mentioned teams building out their staffs for that purpose. How about agencies? Yeah. Do you guys yeah. do that? Do you, do, do you have guys now, where maybe ten years ago you didn't have guys dedicated to that? Do you have more. People I do. Dedicated? Yeah. So I have. I don't know if you remember Tony Vos, who yeah, played yeah. at Boston, Boston College, College. an All American. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Tony's in Philly, and he. Um, he does like player development for me with, uh, you know, skills work with guys. He does a lot of video work with our younger players. And then he does also a lot of the recruiting with me um, and just helping the kids all the way up. So obviously we've got our crew over in Finland and then uh, Tony and I handle everything here in North America, but uh, Tony's great. He, um, you know, you guys saw him play. He's a junkyard dog. He scores goals. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that like, looks in the circus mirror and he he's like five foot eight but he thinks he's six foot three you know and, uh, yeah, exactly exactly and so he's fearless um and he's got a passion for the game and he loves helping kids like he gets so excited when the kids we work with have success even if yeah. it's just like you know having their first ushl game or first bchl game or committing to college you're scoring their first goal like he loves it. So he, he's been great for me. He's been a great asset for our company and, and helping with the younger guys. Awesome. Good yeah. stuff. You know, one last question I want to get for you. And I think we've, we've talked about this on previous things that I've had shows I've had you on before, Jerry, but you know, th- when people think agents, you go back and you think of the movie, Jerry Maguire. Right. And I always wonder like how many agents have that one client who they really, really, invested in and, and you know there were bumps there was a rocky road and but when it finally got to that point where that client made it it was just it's like wow you know like just that satisfaction that you get from being yeah. an agent and helping somebody achieve their dream i'm wondering you don't have to name if you don't want but i'm wondering did you have a client like that early on uh that kind of you were talking about when you started this you weren't so sure you wanted to be in it 
Was there a client, a player that made you say, nah, this is what I want to do? That felt awesome. Well, I think I think once I got into it and guys, whether it was Mike Motto winning the Hobie and getting to the NHL, like you start you start realizing like it's a lot of fun. Like I I like thank my guys for letting me be part of their process. Like it's a fun ride. Like a guy like Keith Yandel, like <laughs> I mean, working with Keith since he was, oh, you know, God. probably 15 or 16 so and all serious. the way. Yeah. yeah. What's that? He's so boring and serious, that guy. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, he's a roller coaster ride in, in a, <laughs> on his own, right? I mean, that's so you know, uh he was great. Obviously, Michael Grabner was another guy that I had from oh, you know, the beginning on Michael Raffle, and then you know, kind of some of the later guys like Tage Thompson now, like same thing. Cage mm-hmm. went through a lot of ups and downs throughout his career. Joey Decord now is with Seattle, is oh, playing great. Well, yeah. What a pickup, by the way. Yeah, yeah, they've done a they've done a great job with uh, Joey out there, and and Joey's been one of those guys that nothing's been given to him. He's worked hard for everything along the way, and and when he got his chance, he was prepared because he did all the steps and his progressions with playing in the American league, then winning in the American league, then getting some spot starts in the NHL to then now being ready to be full-time in the NHL. So yeah, it's like, we're, we're a smaller shop and what it allows me to do is really have relationships with the guys from when they're 15 until they're 35, 36 years old. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been really fun. It's a, it's a fun business. It keeps you young. Um, You know, you text him with like, all these guys and you go through it all the time and it's, it's fun. Like I, I love it. Like when the kids get drafted or they play in the NHL for the first time, like yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. As you guys know, you're around like young guys. Yeah. It's like, it's exciting. So. It's, yeah. Uh, I just have one last question for you. Cause I, yeah. you know, I've made my whole life in pro hockey. Can you tell people how hard it is to make it in pro hockey, please? Yeah. Can you just you're you're an independent contractor. Can you tell people yeah. how darn hard it is? It's hard. It's really hard. And and my kids are like now playing junior hockey and going to college hockey and I'm now helping them with it and it's like junior hockey is hard. Like all levels like starting at junior hockey, going to college hockey, AHL, every single one of my guys at some point had a coach or someone tell them they didn't they, they didn't think they're going to make it. They didn't think they were good enough, right? And you have to just be dedicated to push through that. You're gonna if the guys that make it are the one. Everyone faces adversity mm-hmm. in their careers, whether it's injuries, whether it's a coach that doesn't believe in them, a bad situation, whatever it is. And it takes a lot to push through all that to get to the NHL. Um, I mean, I like Joey Decord, who we just talked about. I couldn't find him a college deal when he was at Cushing. Yeah, ends no up at Arizona State. Ends yeah. up at Arizona State while they were playing in, you know, like an MDC rank. You know, like <laughs> oh, you're right. They, yeah. they were D3 or I mean, their club. I think they were a club when he committed. Um, yeah. So think about that. He's an NHL goaltender now. He's like top five in save percentage and goals against average right, right now. Who couldn't? Who couldn't get? So I, I always mention it to the coaches that I talk to around here in Hockey East and the ECAC when they're like, oh. Well, we're looking for a goalie. I'm like, oh, I had Joey Decord seven years ago, and you didn't want him. But, <laughs> but uh, that's good. Yeah. Good for you. Hey, just one more Arizona State story. Austin yeah. Lemieux played there, I believe, yeah. when when he was there. Yeah. When Decord yeah. was there, Austin Lemieux just made the Corn Ferry Golf Tour. Not kidding you. Really? Wow. Yes, really? he's going to wow. be playing on the Corn Ferry Tour. So his father supported him. You know who his father is, everybody out there. He yep. gave him an opportunity. When hockey was over, he put him on the golf thing. And the kid's yeah. on the Corn Ferry Tour. That's awesome. So He's got Mario's story. hands. He's got Mario's hands, I guess, around he's, the greens. And as as the Mario green. said, he still beats me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Mario's happy about it because if, if he that's is, his passion, I'm sure he's happy to support him. about it. Yep. Yeah, that's good stuff. But yeah, listen, for anyone listening out there, for the young kids, you know, trying to make it, I mean, this was a good lesson. Rewind this and listen yeah. to it because Jerry, that was so well don't said. Give up. Don't yeah, give up. I, I loved how you just said that, Jerry. That was really yeah. good. Really, really good. good. Hey, Buck, thanks a lot for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. I know it was last right. minute, and uh, you came in. And you, this was a good one. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you around the rink soon, huh? 
Sounds good. Miss you guys. Haven't seen you in a while, so thanks for having yeah, me. I'll be looking for you, Jerry. I'm still in Belmont. I'll be looking for you. Sounds All good. Right. All, right. All right. See you, fellas. Take care. Jerry Buckley, join us here from Buckley Sports on the ITAS on Sick Podcast Network. That was a great interview. How about, how about that, though? That's a that really fun. cerebral – like, I'm telling you, I'm not – Jimmy, I'm telling you, when he was a kid, he, he might have been the youngest kid in our group. He was good, man. I'm telling you, he was a really good player. Thanks the game, eh? But, he, but he's a smart kid, like, not yeah. just on the ice. Like, he's a smart kid off the ice. And, you know, see how he's grown his business. And, he, obviously, I love the fact he talked about having a mentor like Bobby Murray. Mm-hmm. Bobby had an amazing business for a really, really, really long time. And, you know, did some amazing things for his constituents and clients over time. And you can see Jerry's doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, that, that was really good, Jimmy. I really enjoyed that. That His message to the young players was awesome. It was yeah, really good. Sure. And, you know, like I, I didn't I, – sometimes you look at it and people say, oh, well, Jerry Maguire is just a movie. But I'm telling you, and he no, was one of the guys. It's not. Like no, I talked to other agents who said yeah. that was pretty accurate. There's nothing like that feeling that you see Tom Cruise's character have yeah. at the end. When that when you know when he's doing the interviews or he makes it big on Monday Night Football and you just see that pride and I'm like, that must feel great and that that's what it's all about I think when you're an agent if you really do it right that's what it's all about. I, I remember the first um, head coaching contract I signed. Ray Shiro was my agent, and it was unbelievable. Like just the both of us, all the miles we had traveled together when he was starting out in the agent business and I was an assistant coach in college and you know I I had the recruiting budget he had no budget and. We'd ride together to these events. We'd stay in the same hotel room. Uh, it was amazing, you know, and yeah. he ended up getting lots of clients. I ended up getting good players, and our careers yeah. just took off together. But I never forgot him, and he never forgot me. And it was – it's kind of what you're talking about. And yeah. you, you never forget those people. No, you don't. You know, I, I would do anything for Ray, and Ray would do anything for me. It's just the way it works. And it's, it had nothing to do with sucking up. It just has to do with – you, you saw what each one of you had to do to get to where you got, you know, it's exactly. Pretty, exactly. Pretty and Hey, we want to uh, vid zombie over here in the comment section. We'll go to some questions now, but I want to pull that up right there. Thanks vid zombie. Congrats on hitting 1000 subscribers. You guys rock. We are so spoiled getting a daily dose of McGuire and Murphy hockey talk. Thank you. Vid zombie. That means a lot. Yeah, vid, that's Thanks awesome. man. Hit that subscribe button, everybody. We appreciate it. And hit that like button. It means a lot to us. And we appreciate you coming on and, and, and watching and with your comments here in the, in the comments section. And speaking of, let's go to those questions right now. What do we got? Morantz, dear gentlemen, from what you know, is there any chance that the city that the city gets an NHL team again? I think that's Quebec City. Is that Quebec City? Okay. Probably, not what I seems would say probably not right now. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say we discussed no. discussed this yesterday, right? Was it yeah, yesterday? I'm, I'm going to say there's a lot of different things. Population-based, taxation issues, language issues, mm-hmm. uh, and probably the biggest one is a Canadian dollar. Yeah. All bills in the NHL are paid in U.S. dollars, talking about salaries, contracts, everything. It, it just it, It's impossible to make it work. It's tough. Yeah. It's, it's tough. We, we all want be, Jimmy, you know. Yeah, I'm the biggest pro Quebec City guy, and I just, I just don't see how it can happen. Not yeah, right now. We're just, we're just being realistic. Trust yeah. us, we'd all love it there. I want, I want a reason to go to Quebec uh, three times a year. Trust me. Yeah. All right, next question. Evan McLaren, Pierre, and Jimmy, what is your favorite league to watch besides the NHL? That's a great question. I, 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 I think I know. I'll let Pierre go first. I'm pretty sure I know what he's going to say. Well, I really like watching all college hockey. So it's not just one league, but if you were to ask me worldwide, my favorite league to go watch a game would be the Finnish elite league. Yep. I knew you were going to say that. There you go. There you go. So I don't get to watch a lot of the Finnish. So I'll say college hockey. Um, But you know what? I know it's, it's much closer to the NHL. I like watching the AHL because as Pierre said, you know what? It's the, it's the best developmental league around doesn't get enough credit. If you've heard us talk about it, it pays for these players to go do their time there. It, it makes them better players. It helps them become men. It helps them become pros. So I think the AHL belongs in there as well. That That's really good. I should have said that too, but I'm glad you picked up on it. My bad to everybody in the American oh, hockey league. Before, no, but I, I really respect that league. I watch almost all the games. You do. <laughs> so, yep. I mean, um, yeah, no, I – 
I apologize. I should, probably should have said that. Thank you, Jimmy. Great pickup. But I do enjoy the finishing lead series. I'm not even going to pretend. I like. I I'm going to have to check some out for sure. I want right. to take you there. You and Melnick. I'll bring you. Oh, that would be great. Yes, that would be great. The only thing missing is the Hesperia Hotel in Helsinki. It's not there anymore. But that's okay. oh no. We'll uh, we'll figure it out. All right. What else we got? What's the next question? David Robinson, not the basketball player. Question for later. Is John Davison trying to raise Boone Jenner's value by deeming him off limits on the trade market this year? He'd look good on a playoff team this season. Yeah, he also would look good in a Columbus Blue Jacket sweater too. Um, they need leadership. He's a tremendous leader. Uh, could he be valuable? Traded away? 100%. 100%. Like if he was going to win, let's just say for the sake of argument, that he goes to Boston. Let's just say for the sake of argument, we don't know that, but like, I don't think he's going anywhere, but if he did, would he change their team, Jimmy? Oh, in a hard he would. Let's exactly. just say for the sake of argument, he went to Tampa. Yeah. Would he change their team? Yeah, he would. Yeah. Let's say for the sake of argument, he went to Toronto. Oh, huge. Exactly. Trade. So, I mean, would anybody want Boone Jenner? Yeah. A lot of people would, but I, why wouldn't Columbus want him? Yeah. And I will say this, Pierre, too, and you know this, too, from everything I'm told, he's very tight with ownership there. They love him. He's like, I know they loved Rick Nash, too, but they traded him away. Oh, yeah. Good point. Good point. And he's back there now, right? Yeah, he is. All right. Next question. Mike, how great has the PWHL been so far? Marie-Philippe Poulin is really unbelievable. Hopefully the league expands. Yep, we love it. Let not yet. I think they give it you know, a couple of years at six. Yeah. But it, they will eventually, I bet, if things keep going this way. The league's been great. The best thing they did was allow physical contact. It's led to more scoring opportunities, believe it or not, and more ferocious play in a good way, not a dirty way. Mary Philip Poulin's real coming out party was a 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. I was there. It was unbelievable to watch her shoot the puck. She shot it as well as any player I'd seen in any league. Like her release point was crazy good, and it's even better now. She's an amazing ambassador for the game. I'll never forget being in Korea after the gold medal game. Obviously, Canada lost, the United States won. The Lamaru twins, you know, at the end of the game were phenomenal for the U.S., and that's why they won. But I remember seeing her, Mary Philip, afterwards, just walking around the building. She couldn't have been kinder she couldn't have been more hospitable um she shared her feelings about the game with my wife and i believe it or not mm -hmm. and uh i've always thought of her so highly just because of the way she carries herself not just as a player but as an ambassador yeah exactly that's the word i was just gonna say she seems like a wonderful ambassador for the game okay next question Filterless bear. Is it possible? Yeah, no, I don't I don't think so. No. I don't think anybody's beaten Celebrini. No, I don't see that. I think he could go two or three. Um, I'm starting to do more and more research now and, and video work on the top 10 and top 20 players. Um, but I don't see anybody passing Celebrini. No, no, I just I would be shocked. Absolutely yeah, shocked. Me too. me too. All right, next question. David Robinson again. I'm moving from Mass to Europe. Oh, well, congratulations. Good luck with the move. I can't watch the Bruins due to the time change. Time change. Day games are all I can do. Can you guys give me a subtle aspect of the team's game that I can't get from 11-minute highlights? Jimmy, Ken? Yeah. Um, I would tell you that they need a top four defenseman. Bad. Real bad right now. And they definitely could use another center. They could use somebody who can win some defensive draws. I think that's, you know, Pierre and I were talking about that earlier in the show. I think he talked about them missing Bergeron and Krejci. I think that's where they miss Bergeron the most is just the way he could win those draws and, and, and ease up the load, the workload for the rest of his team, not keeping it in their zone and, and getting a line change when they have to. It just, we, we were spoiled. I mean, you, you, yeah. It happened so much that you didn't realize how much it meant to the team when you're watching it every day. But, man, it meant a lot. You know, and I think, Jimmy, I could be wrong, but I think they were counting on Johnny Beecher to be that guy. Yep. And just so far, it's still really early in Johnny's career. He's really young. It hasn't happened yet. Doesn't mean it won't. So then you got to play Charlie Coyle way up in the lineup. And if, if you go one, two, three, Bergeron, Krejci, Coyle, you were perfect. You're perfect. You're you're yeah. you're good, and that speaks to the record last year. You don't have that anymore. Now Charlie's moved up, and 
it's a lot harder. And, and uh, you know, Pavel Zak has had a tremendous two years in Boston. I think you would agree. Yes. But to say that he's that guy, I, I don't think so. Yeah. You know, I just and there's a reason, that. Pierre, too. I think when they can, they've been playing him more on the wing lately, too. That's that's what I mean. I don't yeah. – like, to play center and do that job, that's a thankless job. It's a dirty job. It really is. You know, it's – I know a lot of guys that have to do it, and it's – but one of the best guys I ever saw do it, and he, he works in Winnipeg now. He lives there, Randy Gillen. We had Randy yeah. in the, with the 91 Penguins, and I'm just going to tell you right now, there was one game. You can look it up because I remember the number. He won 15 straight draws against the Bruins in wow. the Eastern Conference Finals, 15 in a row. Wow. In the 91 Eastern Conference Finals. Ran, Randy Gillen – was such an unsung hero for our group um, in in Pittsburgh because of just what you're talking about, that guy that can take the draws late in the game. Made yep. such a difference for us. Huge, huge. All right, we got time for about two or three more. Let's oh, go. yeah, keep them coming. We're good. We're good. Let's do it. Mike, with the Habs losing and falling into the top five, you start looking at every possible mock draft. What's your opinion on Caden Lindstrom, Pierre? Still got work to do on studying. I'm not going to give any draft stuff until I'm really locked on all these guys. And I haven't done enough yeah. of that yet, just because I've been so busy with the NHL and, and college and free agents. Um, but yeah, no, we'll get, we'll get you. I think our plan, Jimmy is trade deadline. We've got an expanded show yep. and, then, and then draft. We've got a show. So, yeah. I mean, we'll have a lot. Don't worry. Maybe we'll, you're on the draft lottery, Pierre. This yeah, weekend, those weeks. We'll, 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 we'll have stuff on that. We'll yep. we'll be getting stuff done on that. We will. Uh, nice. Uh, here we go. Next question. What do we got here? Anything? We might be done right now. Oh, there we go. Further to my question about a team in Quebec, how is it that Arizona is yet to collapse? They have an owner with deep pockets. They take in American dollars. They pay out in American dollars. Their team's moving to East Salt Lake City, Utah, at some point, I would imagine. Um, it's going to be an interesting deal. Uh, I can't tell you how, you know, I know that, but I just, I can tell you that it's going to be a very, how it plays out will be a very interesting deal. But I I don't see them, not until they get a building, they can't stay in Arizona. And they know that. They know that. Yeah. I'll just say this. They've done an, that whole area, youth hockey-wise, they've done an amazing job. Yeah. Austin they really have. They've done Matthew Nyes, Austin Matthews, Josh Doan. Josh Doan's going to be playing in Arizona soon. He's playing yep. for their farm team now. They've done an awesome job. The problem is they've never had a building in Scottsdale. And and so most of their fan base comes from Scottsdale. The, the building that they had, it was in Glendale. And I used to, when I go do games, I even said to talk it like, how long does it take you to get to games here? Yeah. You know, I used to stay in a hotel downtown, and it would take you 45 minutes just to get yeah. to the room. Scottsdale is another 20 minutes outside of downtown. Yeah, it's like going to Ottawa. You know what I mean? So it's, That guy drives me nuts. Oh, I hope they get a downtown arena. Ottawa here. is the most underrated city in the NHL. I would, yeah, it would that. be so cool to have an arena downtown there. It's the I most love underrated it. city in the NHL. Yep. The Bywood Market, my friend. The Bywood Market. All right, one more here. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know where you went. Yeah, you know where I'm going. <laughs> question, is, question, is it too late for the Devils? Did they wait too long to bring in a goalie? That's a great question. It's a great question. I uh, have to think about that because they still got some racetrack left, but they're starting out on this trip on the West Coast. They got a West Coast swing. I think they start in San Jose, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Just help me out here. I think they start in San Jose. No, one sec. Um. But so they don't have a lot of wiggle room here. They got San Jose tonight. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Ducks on Friday. Kings yep. on Sunday. Ooh, they got a day off between that. That's lucky. Yeah. That, no, but that's everybody thinks that's an easy three and you know four nights. It's not. And part of the problem why it's not easy when you play in San Jose, you can't take off from San Jose after the game. You got a bus to Oakland yeah. or you got a bus to Frisco. Then yep. when you if you're going to Anaheim, you can't land in Ontario Airport or John Wayne airport because of the noise pollution loss, you got to land in LA. So it's an hour yeah. bus ride up to Frisco or Oakland. Then it's an hour and a half flight. Then it's an hour down to Anaheim from LAX. So by the time you get there, it's like four in the morning. It's, it's one of the most difficult back to backs. If you're yep. doing it at night, if it's an afternoon game, it's way more digestible. Yeah. And it's something that 
fans would never know. It's not their job to know. Yeah, exactly. But having gone through a few times in my and, career. And, and Pierre, when no, when, remember when, you know, in the, uh, you know, the early 2010s, like you're talking 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, maybe even 16, when all those, t- or definitely 16, because the Sharks were in the cup that year. They, they, those When those teams were going all at the same time, so you combine that with everything you just talked about yeah. there, that's why they called it the California Triangle. Yeah, you used to call it the California Bermuda Triangle, 100%. Yeah. It was it was disastrous. It was really dangerous to go there. Yeah, a lot of teams got swept on that trip, I remember. They did. All right, one more question here. If we got one. That's what I was hoping we'd pull up. David Robinson, any fun Kevin Deneen stories? He drove me crazy as a kid watching the Bruins. I'm with you, Dave. He was he was a hell of a player, you know, and I didn't like him as a Bruins fan, but I respected him as a hockey fan. Uh, great University of Denver player, great Canadian Olympian. Um, believe it or not, almost two weeks ago, I spent a Friday night, not for the whole night, but a Friday night with Kevin and his wife. His son plays at Yale, Will, and my son plays at Colgate, and they were playing head-to-head against each other. Uh, which was really cool. And Kevin and I had a chance to visit during that game. And um, what I would tell you about Kevin is um, that family is an amazing hockey family. Uh, You know, I had the privilege of coaching his brother, Gord, in Pittsburgh. He was part of our cup-winning teams. Um, You know, worked with Sean in Hartford, know Peter really well. And uh, I guess I can tell you a great Bill Deneen story. Uh, His father, the late father, who was the coach of the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, one of the years that I coached in the All-Star game uh, with Scotty Bowman and Jill Malosh and Rick Talkin and Barry or uh, Rick Keough and Barry Smith, and it was in Philadelphia. And Coach Deneen was a coach of the Flyers, and he, he said he comes up to me and he says, "Hey, Petey, I got to talk to you." You know, he had that gravelly voice. Hey, Coach, what's going on? He goes, "I talked to your equipment manager in uh, in Pittsburgh, Stevie Latin." I said, "Yeah." He, he told me what the boys like. So he goes, go check out the fridge. <laughs> and I go in there. <laughs> and all the stuff was in the fridge that we like to, you know, imbibe with. Yeah. And I said, Coach, you didn't have to do that. He goes, Oh, it's my treat. That's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> you know, I'm, I don't think the Deneen family gets enough credit for how good they were, all of them as players. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like Jerry Deneen, who was the longtime video coach of the New York Rangers, mm-hmm. you should have seen him play. He played at Plattsburgh State. That guy was a heck of a player. I'm telling you, yep. like I coached against him when he was a player. He played for uh, Stevie Hoare up at, in uh, Plattsburgh. He was a tremendous, tremendous player. Uh, he was a lot like Kevin, just a little smaller. But Kevin Deneen was um, he was a fistful of fury. He was a nasty customer. Yeah. He was yeah. a nasty, nasty customer. Those old whalers brewing. But an amazing, wow. Jimmy, an amazing gentleman. Just an amazing, amazing gentleman. He really is. I really I, I hope he ends up back in the NHL up here. I'm hoping for him to get a job. Well, he's, I mean – Look, if there's only 32 of those jobs, I get it, and there's going to be a backlog because at some point, Joel Quenville's got to be coming back. Yeah, And, you know, he and Kevin are really tight. In fact, they work together. But mm-hmm. at some point, I hope one owner or one manager is going to wake up and realize how good a coach Kevin is. Yeah. He's a really, really – I know, look, at people are going to say, oh, McGuire, look at the standings. You, because in last place, I will go look at how many players have moved up. Go yeah. look at how many players have been exactly. traded away. I mean, that's his job. His job is not so much about winning down there. They, they've done enough winning down there. Yeah, It's about developing players. Kevin's a really, really, really good coach. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, listen, we appreciate everyone there in the comments section for your questions. Thanks to everyone listening as well later on uh, podcast platforms. And uh, thanks to Jerry Buckley for joining us. Oh, that was Jerry great. was great. Way to go, Jerry. That was awesome. That was awesome. And thanks to the folks at Factor. I hope you're going to factor it up and say thank you. They're awesome. They are. Thank you to Factor as well. And thanks to our production crew in Montreal, as always. And Pierre, you know, we discussed it a bit yesterday. uh, Matt Rempe uh, and what's going on. By the way, for anyone, get on social media and look at the pictures of his face today. And now he's going to have to go up against Columbus again tonight. Possibly have a rematch. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow tomorrow night. night. Okay. And and possibly have a rematch. Yeah. Uh, you know, this this is getting out of hand a bit for this kid, and we're a little worried about him. So what we're gonna do tomorrow is we're gonna bring on former NHL enforcer and all-star John Scott will be joining us here on the eye test to talk about that and maybe what they you know what the team and Rempe can do to to you know 
say get this thing under control and, and make him last long in this league and make him find a place that he so he doesn't get hurt in a hurry here because that's where he's headed. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the role of fighting in the NHL and much more uh, with former NHLer John Scott joining us. And then, as we said, Pierre, on Thursday, we've got a great press box guest lined up. Colby Armstrong will be joining us. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And then on Friday, we've got, we mentioned Quinnipiac earlier in the top prospects that they have. We've got their head coach, the head coach of defending NCAA champion Quinnipiac will be joining us. And that is Rand Pecknold here on the eye test. So looking forward to that. A great week again. It's flying by already, Pierre. Jimmy, you know, one of the best interviews I had the opportunity to do was at the All-Star Game in Nashville. It was the big man, John Scott. I remember it. And you know what? I had a sore neck and arm. It's kind of like when you interviewed Chara. It's the same deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're on skates. You're on, you know, shoes, and they're, like, towering. Or Even if you oh were wearing God. skates, they'd be towering over you. <laughs> Naughty. Quickly before we go, when I used to have to do Chara, like I'd get in on a scrum for Chara, what I would always do, Pierre, is I'd get up in the stall next to him. I'd stand up in the stall. <laughs> so I'd get some height. I'd be eating with him. I'd still be to here, but it was a lot better than there. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> but anyway, good stuff. Thank you as always, everybody. We'll talk to you again on the eye test on the Sick Podcast Network tomorrow. Have a good one. Take care. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the eye test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.